This is Rumble Strip. Today, a special guest show from producer Bianca Gaver. Welcome. I mean, I certainly admire people with uh, jobs. <laughs> you know, I don't know how you get a job. I don't mean to sound <laughs> completely dysfunctional, but to me, it sounds like trying to become an astronaut. Did you ever have a moment of panic about money? Was there ever a moment when I didn't? Would be an easier question. That's Steve Grody, my friend's uncle. Steve is 67 years old, and other than a short stint in a record store, he's never had a day job. He's dedicated his life to a few great passions. He's an accomplished swing dance teacher and self-defense instructor, but this conversation is about the decades he spent wandering the alleyways of Los Angeles, documenting the graffiti scene before it disappears. Over the past 28 years, he estimates he's taken between 40 and 100,000 photos of graffiti. While he's out taking pictures, he never tries to fit in. He wears wraparound sunglasses, zip-off pants, and a big floppy bucket hat. He's been doing this for so long now that he can look at a railing or a dumpster or even a train rolling through Iowa and see tags made by people he knows. Steve gave me a tour of one of his favorite graffiti yards. Afterward, I went to interview him in his apartment in an old warehouse in LA. As a kid, I did a lot of wandering. I grew up in San Fernando Valley, and so I would wander up into the hills. There was a time when Mulholland Drive was a dirt road. The, the hillsides were made of shale, and you would just pull a little bit of shale out, and you would see the fossil of a leaf. And sometimes I wasn't sure if I was in somebody's backyard. I wasn't sure if I was trespassing. I was a little nervous, but I would just wander. In 1990, I discovered the Belmont Tunnel. I happened to go down this one street on this one day after a graffiti battle. Um, I just thought, wow, what a shame that this stuff comes and goes. And it was this extraordinary work. And that's what finally made me say, okay, that's it. I've got to start to document this stuff. It's the first movement, first art movement devised by youth, for youth, and arguably the largest art movement in history. It used to be, I might have gone out five or six days a week for many years, and so there was no shortage of times when I did a lot of driving. You think, eh, should I bother? And then you go and it's like, oh yeah, this is great. Just, you know, like a, you know, a dozen or 15 really good pieces and you're just like, oh yeah, this is, this was, so, this is so good. It's so juicy. It's like you're, you're just, you're, you're really happy. And then there are other times when you get to a yard too late and something's been dissed. It's been crossed out or there's some gang that's, that's really messed a piece up. And you're like, it's, it's like you've, you feel like you've come across like a, a, a wounded animal and you feel terrible. You feel like, oh man. Anybody should, that wants to have a, an immediate appreciation for graffiti, all they have to do is look at a piece and understand that these sharp lines and corners and stuff, there's no masking involved, it's all freehand. They've learned how to adjust the speed and the pressure and the materials to get the effects they want uh, for doing it, you know, innumerable times over years. And you watch them 
at a wall, and it's really beautiful to watch them make a simple, clean line, and they do it with a a certain grace in their movement. You can appreciate it visually, but you can't appreciate the craft until you try and until you try and duplicate it, and then you're going, "Oh my God, I just made the ugliest line ever." And then you th- and suddenly you're going, "Wow, that is not easy to do." And I don't mean to make Zen pop, but it is a very Zen relevant thing that they do something beautiful, and very often they're trying to do something to the best of their ability with the highest degree of craft they can in a place that's otherwise ugly and they know it's going to be gone in somewhere between a day and a month. They want the thrill of taking a risk. They feel alive. You, they put themselves in a position to have to pay attention in the way a guy described it to one of the writers. It's like all of your senses are open. You're listening to every little sound you're aware of time passing, you're trying to do the best thing you can with limited time, but you're listening to everything in case you have to run, and, and so you're feeling fully alive. And they like the fact that it cannot be bought, it cannot be sold, it cannot be commodified. A lot of times it is for those that are willing to make the effort to get there and see it in person. Did, did writers ever think you were a cop? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because I, st- I stood out like the sorest of thumbs. Um, I, I love that to this day I still get stories of people saying how about the first time they saw me. And one guy just saying, I, I saw you coming down the alleyway taking pictures, and I just dropped my can and walked away. Until I ran, I walked down, far enough down the alleyway that I ran into another writer and the guy go, oh, that's Steve. He's cool. It's okay. And I was also surprised to learn that tagger is a derogatory term. Well, tagger, it's an outsider's term. A, a graffiti writer rarely refers to himself as a tagger. The vast majority of graffiti writers refer to themselves, the, the ones that do everything from tags to throwies to pieces to productions, they refer to themselves as a writer because the roots of the movement is writing. It's writing your name. Can you give examples of the names? Because I think they're interesting. (laughs) Well, hang on a second. Just let me get my glasses and I'll just read through some of the names here. Great. Okay. Just reading at random. Bless, Blinky, Blossom, Braille, Cab, Kale, Chaka, Charlie, Charm, Chaz, Circus, clear, clever, coax, Kodak, cool boy, coos, Crayola, create, crime, crisis, Caesar, Dante, Dash, Dees, Defer, Dello. No crew has one translation like um, UTI over here was originally under the influence, but unite to ignite, unleash the imagination. Um, use the imagination, all sorts of things. But, the, you know, the language is dense. A heaven is a piece, anything you had to climb to get to, to tag or to piece. Uh, a landmark is something that is in such a difficult place 
for the city to clean up or get to or so in such an obscure location that it lasts for like at least 10 years. But there were some things that were just very short-lived, like there was a, for a very short time you would see sometimes somebody described as a whale, which is an acronym that stands for a whack, hopeless artist lacking energy. <laughs> I just saw that for a short while, and it didn't, didn't catch on, but I think it's pretty great. But I have to say that I do sometimes in my own, quietly in the back of my own mind, feel competitive as a documentarian. I don't think there's anybody that has documented the scene as consistently over time as I have. And I would make the effort to climb the f over the fence or under the fence or go down a dodgy, filthy alleyway to, to get the work. And at a certain point, some years ago, I realized, wow, you've made wandering a profession. There's always going to be some little thing. Maybe, maybe there won't be necessarily anything great but you're looking at it's again there are these little signs of life and little bits of you know just a look look over this railing here you see this little thing that says somebody says wrote in in a in a black letter or gothic inspired font barrio gospel you know and you're going oh that's somebody came to this dodgy neighborhood just to make a, a beautiful little mark on the traffic barrier. A lot of people, they either don't even see it or they consider it blight. But for me, it's always makes me smile when I'm in some random place and I see a little tag by somebody that I know personally. I thought, oh, so-and-so was here. The world is the guest book for a graffiti writer. <laughs> That was Steve Grody. You can see his photos in his book, Graffiti LA, and he has curated and contributed to graffiti art shows at MoCA LA and the Pasadena Museum of California Art. I will have links to his book on my website, rumblestripvermont.com. The song you heard in the intro was called A Day at the Racetrack by the musician Julian Lynch. Additional music by Zubin Hensler and Jacob Bloomberg. You can find links to all their music on my website. The show is produced by Bianca Gaver. She is an artist and a filmmaker and a radio producer, and her latest radio story is an hour-long profile of the poet Franz Wright, and it is sublime. I'll put links on my website. Again, it's rumblestripvermont.com. Rumblestrip is a proud member of The Herd, a collective of independent podcasts from around the country. If you want to learn more about it or us or you're looking for other podcasts to add to your list, visit theherdradio.com. That's H-E-A-R-D. I'll be back soon with more shows. This is Rumble Strip. I'm Erica Heilman. Thanks for listening.